Radio Mano Papachango. Fathers, sisters, and brothers, everybody out there listening to this handcrafted podcast coming to you from Topanga, California. Can you hear the crickets? It's quiet. It's Sunday night, about 7.30. Uh, It's nice. It's the end of a nice weekend. Had a good time. Last night had a little impromptu dinner party, which is my favorite way to to have a party. It's kind of the only way I enjoy having parties. I don't like parties where you have to plan it and, you know, it's like weddings that they get all stressed out and invitations and who's coming and who's not coming and last minute weirdness and, you know, is everything in the right place? I don't like that kind of party. I like parties that just happen. So that happened yesterday. Uh, My friend Don... And this tells you how the the sort of incestuous relationship between my social life and this podcast. Um, Last night, there were seven people here. Four of them have been on the podcast. Uh, So, you know, when I say so-and-so is a friend, I really mean it. So last night, uh, Don was going to come. Don Mira, who was on uh, a couple months ago. He was coming up from San Diego and he was like, hey, what are you doing Saturday night? I don't know. You want to come by for dinner? Yeah, okay. So because he's a real barbecue guy, he knows how to handle a grill. So uh, and then uh, Kyle Tierman was going to be around. So I invited him over and like, I think they'd like to meet each other. And turns out they did. Uh, and then, uh, Simon was like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? I said, I don't know. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm having a couple of people over for dinner. Like, Oh yeah, cool. So you want to come? Yeah. Can I bring some friends? Okay. So then he came with a buddy of his and, uh, and then a woman named, uh, Charlotte, uh, McKinney. She came, she's, uh, I just did a podcast with her a couple of days ago that I haven't released yet. That'll be coming down the road a little bit. She's a supermodel. She was, if you saw on the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, there was the famous ad campaign with Carl's Jr. with the sexy woman like eating a burger as if she were going down on it. Well, that was Charlotte. So Charlotte came with her cousin and that was great. They were like super laid back. You'll, when you hear the episode with Charlotte, you'll see she's, she's super cool, very laid back. You know, for someone who's sort of, you know, famous as this, like she's sort of like a Pamela Anderson, blonde, bombshell, L.A., you know, beach kind of hot lingerie model chick. Um, But she's totally cool. So anyway, it was a great time. It was really nice. Just uh, seven or eight of us out there and barbecuing and hanging out and listening to music and bullshitting. So it was a really uh, nice Saturday night. Wish you'd been there. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to do something that annoys people sometimes. So if you're one of the people who gets annoyed by this, I invite you to just jump ahead five minutes or something. But I thought it would be 
a good time to thank you, Patreon supporters, because people, you know, every once in a while I see four or five people adding their names uh, every day, and I never get around to thanking them individually. So I'm just going to go through and thank uh, people who signed up in the last month or so. Brian, Dylan, Seb, Sebastian, or Sebastian, however you pronounce it, Michelle, Dan, Martha, Greg, Sam, Jake, John, Cora, Wes, Gennady, Elliot, Jens, Keith, Frazier, Kevin, Denilin, uh, Natirian, Stuart. Uh, I'm not reading last names because, you know, I want to invade anyone's privacy. And some of you people might hear your name and you're like, well, I didn't really sign. I signed up a long time ago. But if you change the amount that you pledge, it sort of shows up as a new a new sign up on my list here. Jared, Justin, Justin, Justine, sorry, there's a Justine and then a Justin. Rickard, Chris, Chris, Sergio, Dan, Tom, Jacob, Isin, Tyler, Josh, Richard, Kevin, Lauren, Laura, Kasia. Some cool names here. Brandon, Hurtur, Hurtur. Oh, there's an umlaut there. I hope I'm saying it right. Uh, Lee, Arturo, Barbara, Tyrone, Arthur, Blake, Darren, Angela, Josh, Robert, Zach, Paxton, Tamerlane. There's a cool name, Tamerlane. Uh, Brian, Neil, Andrew, Lucas, Jason, Anthony. Wow, Anthony has a cool last name. I won't say it, but it's like a really fast car. Sonny, Garrison, Stefan, Thomas, John, Jason, Ari. Jorge, Doke, Colin, Bola, and Rice. Yeah, I don't know. There are more, but that takes us back to the beginning of August almost. Chloe, Jim, William, Jeff, Tom, Niall, Juha. Juha? That's a cool, interesting name. Uh, Adam, Nick, VJ, Nobody. (laughs) This guy puts his name as Nobody. Uh, And Chapman. So anyway, those are people who signed up since August. Most of them are just a buck a month, which is totally cool. I really appreciate it because the fact is that if everybody who is listening to this podcast threw in a buck a month, um, I would probably develop a cocaine habit and I'd have like hookers hanging around all the time. I'd have a like I'd be like Colin. um, What's his name? The UFC fighter. I'd have like a. A posse that followed me around everywhere, a bunch of hangers on, you know, it'd be like uh, entourage. I'd have an entourage. So it's a good thing that everybody's not giving me a dollar a month because that would just go to my head and ruin me. But, you know, if half of you gave me a dollar a month, I think I could handle it. I think I could keep my shit together. So thank you to those of you who do. You're, you're like, you know, 0.01% of the people who are listening to this podcast. If we could even get it up to 5%, that would be pretty amazing. Because there are about 80,000 people who download almost every episode. I don't know what it is, by the way. I look at the numbers sometimes. I, I'm, I don't obsess about this stuff. Uh, but it's a mystery why some episodes are more uh, popular than others. I have no idea. It's so weird. Like some episodes, the way you measure it generally is how many downloads um, are registered on your hosting service in within 30 days of uploading the episode. That's sort of the industry standard way of looking at this stuff. 
And that doesn't count the apps that download an episode and then they host it. And so whatever downloads come through that app don't register on my hosting service because, you know, they're making a copy and selling their copies as or, you know, downloading their copies. So it's it's an inaccurate uh, sort of a ballpark thing, but it's probably more than what it's got to be more. It can't be less than what we see. But I have some episodes that within 30 days, there are 130, 140,000 downloads and then others that are 50,000. And I really I, I can't tell what the difference is. Um, you know, I mean, how does it work? I, I wonder if you do you decide to download based on the the description that I that I write that shows up on iTunes or on my website. I, I don't really know because I I mean, I, I listen to some podcasts, but I basically just, you know, listen to every episode or at least, you know, half of every episode or until I decide it's boring or something. So I don't really know why, <laughs> excuse me, twice as many people download some episodes as others. <clears throat> if I knew, I would probably, you know, start trying to respond to the voice of the market. But since I can't understand what the fuck the voice of the market is saying, I'll just keep doing what I do. Uh, this episode, by the way, is the four, the third of four episodes that I recorded at Sparkroot Farm in beautiful North Carolina uh, a month or two ago when I was out there. This is with uh, a guy named Godi, uh, Godi Godar. He's from Congo, and he is such a sweet dude. He's so cool, and he's doing really important work. Uh, preserving the rainforest in the Congo, in the around the the village where he grew up, so he's sort of he's become um, something of a leader among his people. I think he says his father was a chief, and so maybe I don't know if it's a hereditary thing, but he is one of the humblest, sweetest, kindest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, I did record our conversation on video, so if you um, are a Patreon supporter, I will send you a link to that video. If you're not a Patreon supporter, if you are a cheap motherfucker who can't even come up with a buck a month, you're forgiven. Don't worry about it. But um, just go to find my YouTube channel, Christopher Ryan, I think it is, and uh, you'll see the, I'm going to, I'll make it available for everyone. He's, he's a real cool guy. Um, anyway, so I'm going to do that episode now, and then later this week, I'm going to release the fourth and final episode from Spark Root Farm with um, a guy named Lyle, who is sort of the, the, I don't know, the Adam of this Garden of Eden that I discovered there in North Carolina. He and his wife were the the original couple who bought the land and, um, you know, friends of theirs joined them and one thing led to another and now they've got this somewhat intentional community happening there. It's, uh, it's a beautiful place. I really look forward to going back there. Um, there's Stephen Jenkinson I, I've mentioned on previous episodes. Stephen Jenkinson is going to be giving um, some talks there in early November Maybe I'll be able to get out there for that. I hope so. I'm I'm looking into it now, trying to arrange some stuff. Uh, other travel news. I'm going to Spain at the end of September. Be out there for two weeks. 
And then um, I'm going to be in New York City in mid-October for the premiere of Tal Ruspoli's film Monogamish. I'm in that, Esther Perel, Dan Savage. Uh, we'll be doing some media, some Q&A with the press. Uh, I don't know exactly what they've got planned, but they asked me to be there for a few days. So I'm going to be in New York in mid-October. There are a bunch of people in New York I want to try to get on the podcast, so I'm going to try to... I, I don't like the expression, kill two birds with one stone, because I don't want to kill anybody. This isn't about killing birds, man. I just want to have conversations with people. So anyway, I'm going to try to, uh, you know, um, massage several birds with one hand when I'm in uh, New York in mid-October. It's a good time to be in New York mid-October. It's probably the best time. What else can I tell you? I've been dipping back into Civilized to Death uh, and... I don't know. I've, you know, I think the problem that I've had with this book is that I haven't been clear exactly what the book is. You've heard me whinging about this before. Um, I think, you know, I wrote it over, I wrote this material over several years, and my idea of what the book was was shifting during that time. And I decided rather than sticking to a strict outline, I was just going to write what was inspiring me and then I'd worry about it later and then later came and it was a mess and I don't know how to organize all this material. And And the problem is that that I think I, I made the fatal mistake of being cautious. Now, you know, you might look at this another way. The way this works is you write a proposal and a publisher uh, buys the proposal and it's like a business plan. So it's like, okay, here's the book I'm going to write. Here's why it's going to be successful. Here are other books that it's similar to. Here's why I'm you know, perfectly positioned to be the one to write this book. So you sort of sell this whole package, right? And the publisher bought this package and then you know, time went by and I was working on it. And then my idea of what the book should be started shifting. But then I tried to keep one foot in the proposal and write the book that they were expecting. But I was really excited about writing this other book. And so I ended up with this sort of mixed bag of stuff. And so that's been the problem. Now I've got this mixed bag of material. How do I put it all together in one book? And now I'm I'm going through it. I thought I was going to look at it this summer, but that was ridiculous because I just was staring into the campfire instead, and I didn't really look at anything. And uh, other than the campfire and the stars and the moon, right? These little unimportant things. Um, but the book, the 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 two different books were basically the book I started out to write was sort of a here's uh, what prehistory was really like, not what you think. Um, and, and understanding that let's use this understanding to look at several aspects of modern life that we'll now understand better because we'll see how out of alignment it is with our true prehistory, not the prehistory that we've been, um, you know, we, that's been told to us through all the propaganda about what I call the neo-Hobbesian vision of prehistory, which is that, you know, it was a dog eat dog world and every, you know, everyone was struggling for survival. You've heard me rant about that. Uh, that's not in fact what it was like. And in fact, it was sort of the opposite of that. And, 
you know, in fact, people in hunter-gatherer societies work mostly um, less than 20 hours a week. The work they do is enjoyable and low stress. This idea that everyone is running around hiding from saber-toothed tigers and shit is just ridiculous. It's not true. The idea that, you know, everyone died when they were in their mid-30s is not true. There's just all the stuff that people believe. Everyone was dying from infectious diseases. That's not true. Um, they were dying from impacted teeth and, and you know, oh, the tooth decay that couldn't be fixed. There were no dentists. That's not true. Like all these um, sort of assumptions that people have that justify why civilization is such a great gift to humanity when you look at the science, you find that they're baseless. And yet they're ubiquitous because they make us feel good. And because stories that um, solidify the power of the ruling class or simply of a social system, a cultural system, those stories become very popular because they serve a very important function in us in a society. So those stories are very popular, but they're totally inaccurate. So anyway, that was supposed to be a small part of the book. But as I was writing it, I got into this discussion of like, well, why? If this is inaccurate, then why is this so popular? And how long have we been telling each other these lies and lies? And why do we tell them? And I got really passionate about that. And then I, I started writing a, another book, which is Civilization Has Been a Huge Mistake. It's been a disaster. That's Now, that's an audacious book to write. That's a crazy book to write because most reviewers are going to say, yeah, what the fuck is this? Civilization is a mistake. This is a polemic. This isn't reasonable. This isn't scientific. This isn't well thought out. They're going to dismiss it out of hand. And so my sort of commercially aware, you know, been down this road before, um professional mind kept pulling me back from writing that book. And also, to be fair, my publisher paid for the other book. They didn't pay for that book. So I kept thinking like, oh, I'll write that later. I'll do that. But that's the one that's got me passionate. That's the one that's fun. That's the one that gets me excited. That's the one where I can imagine like being on Joe Rogan's show or, you know, NPR or Fox News. I don't give a shit. I'll go anywhere and defend that position. Now, you might decide that you don't agree with me. Of course, I don't expect people to just say, oh, my God, you're right. Civilization's a disaster. But it's a, I think it would be an interesting book to read, even if you disagreed with it, assuming I wrote it in a way that didn't offend you and make you feel like I was, you know, saying you're stupid if you don't agree with me, which isn't what I feel at all. So I don't think that's really a danger. Um, anyway, so I've been reading this material and sort of dipping back into it. And I feel like what I'm going to do is say, fuck it, I'm just going to write the book. I mean, it's already written mostly. It's just I'm going to package the book I want to package. And then we'll see what happens. Maybe my publisher will say, fuck off, dude. That's not the book we wanted. And fair enough, if that's the decision they make, I'll I'll go another way with it. But I think I have to write the book that excites me because it's really, really hard 
for me to uh, write something that I don't find really exciting because I'm a lazy bastard um, with no discipline. So that's my thing. That's where I am on that. And I promise I won't talk about the book again for another five episodes. Anyway, this is Godi, uh, Godi Godar, super cool guy. I was so happy to hang out with him. Um, and I'm going to play some Congolese music. I'm going to play a song called uh, Lekala Muadi. I don't know what it means. L-E-K-E-L-A. And then the next word is M-U-A-D-I. Lekala Muadi. And it's by Chala Muana. T-S-H-A-A-A-L-A, Chala, and then Muana, M-U-A-N-A. So she's Congolese. And then a little later, I'm going to play a great tune by my favorite Congolese musician, Papa Wemba. I've played him on other podcasts. Uh, His beautiful song, Way, I've played at least a couple of different episodes. This song is called Yo Lele, and it's a very upbeat kind of a dance tune. Anyway, I'll play that. I'll just find a a pause, a natural pause in our conversation, and I'll throw that in there. Yo Lele by Papa Wemba, and this tune you're about to hear is Lekela Muadi. All right. Hope everything's going great for you out there, and uh, thank you. Once again, for your support, whether it comes through Patreon or PayPal donations through my website or, um, yeah, if you use that Amazon thing, that Amazon link on my website, that doesn't support the podcast because Amazon does not want anyone to think that they support any particular podcast and they don't. They don't know anything about what I'm doing here. But if you use that, Amazon affiliate link on my website and bookmark it and then use that as your Amazon page, a certain amount of what you spend goes into my one of my coffers. Um, and I won't use that to support the podcast, but I might use it to put diesel in the van. By the way, somebody suggested I should call the van... Uh, oh, shit, what is it? Uh, Scarlet Joe Vanson. I might go with that because it's a scarlet color van. I kind of like that scarlet Joe Vanson. Thank you. Take care. And I'll catch you again in a few days.
to the second hangover podcast <laughs> of the day. <laughs> I, uh, uh, we were partying till 5.30 or something last night, which um, is not, you know, you could look at that and say, that's not a good way to prepare for your podcast, Chris, but 
you know, I'm here for a couple days. Last night was the party, so you got to do what you got to do, right? Yes. Sir. What time did you go to bed? I went to bed uh, oh, pretty much is close to 3 p.m. 3 a.m. A.m. Well, you but you slept all day, so maybe it was 3 p.m. <laughs> right? Exactly. You were sleeping out on the porch. Too much. Uh, on the porch. Anyway, so this is Godi. Uh, what do you, do you have two names? How does it work in your, yeah, it's, in your it's, culture? Uh, it's Godi's Godi Goda. Godi Goda. Yes, oh, yeah. that's a cool name. Yeah, but the, that's my nickname. It was named after my uncle gave me that name. But my real name is Moteke Molanga. That's what I recorded from uh, through to all my documentation. So that's on your passport. Yes, it's yes. not Godi. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's it. I got you. And you're from the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is the big Congo, not yes, the sir. small Congo. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're from, and you're. Uh, that's the. I always think of it as the Congo where the bonobos are. That that is correct. That's right. the only places they are in the on the in planet. The world. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's the the bonobos are south of the Congo River and uh, chimpanzees and I guess gorillas. Are there gorillas in Congo? Yeah, as there well? is a gorilla in, in the east uh, part of the uh, yeah. uh, DRC. Yeah. I mean, the theory that I've heard from uh, primatologists is that uh, about three million years ago, I guess the the chimps and the bonobos were the same species, and the river shifted and cut the the populations and so the one species became bonobos and the other species became chimpanzees uh, or probably remain chimpanzees because there are chimpanzees in other parts of Africa as well. Right. But you know it doesn't and, and the, this is the explanation for why bonobo behavior is so different from chimpanzee behavior. What, what I've read is that the bonobos are much more peaceful than chimpanzees because they don't need to compete for food with um, gorillas uh, and some other primates. I don't know if there were monkeys or, or I forget what the other primates were. But yeah, that never made sense. Well, there are no orangutans in Africa, right? Uh-uh. Um, so I, in any case, it never made sense to me, that explanation. Because whatever competition for food there is, the bonobo population would have grown until they were competing for the food, if you know the sort of Darwinian theory is right. But you, have you worked with bonobos? Not really. What I, my, what I learned about bonobos, they are most close to our relatives. Uh, based on our DNA. Right. So right. Uh, ninety. Yeah, however, it depends how you measure it. Right, exactly. The same as chimps. And and, and then you look at the the, uh, chimpanzees uh, culture or tribe, uh, they're very aggressive. Uh, That's what I know, aggressive. They eat their own, even they don't share. If chimpanzees uh, find food, they will eat them, they will share just only for themselves. They will not wait. But the bonobo is a it's different because when they get the food, uh, they will wait until uh, their uh, every uh, uh, communities or group who sit and they eat together and yeah, share, right. and they take care of the others. Yeah. And they, and then what I know is. Uh, mm, 
I don't know about the, that theory of uh, competing with the food, but uh, in, a, in a Congo Basin, the second long of uh, our planet, yeah. that is uh, abundant of right. food there. Right. And then uh, that, it, it kind of like, uh, I, I probably I disagree with uh, that. Yeah, yeah reason, it, it but, doesn't uh, make sense. And then uh, they, they are known as uh, uh, making love constantly that how they That's resolve it. their conflict yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah. the chimpanzees they fight constantly yeah. and and uh, uh, but the bonobo they don't do that yeah. they just uh, make love uh, and no war. That's what I, I know it. about the bonobos. Yeah. My I have a friend named Franz Duval who's a scientist who studies primates. He's Dutch and he says. Uh, that chimpanzees use violence to get sex, and bonobos use sex to avoid violence. Exactly. They use it to keep their stress level yes, low yes, and yes. make sure everyone's yes, happy. Yes, yes, and exactly. as you say, yeah. uh, he talked about, uh, he's worked with both species a lot in his life, and he tells the story about how if you throw some food into an enclosure of chimpanzees, uh, they'll, as you say, they'll fight. Uh, over the food, and then the alpha, the top dominant males, exactly. will take the yeah. food. And maybe if there's enough, they share some with their their friends, but yes. not with the females or the babies or anything. Right. If you throw the food into a group of bonobos, they look at the food and they feel the same stress that yes. the chimpanzees yes. feel, yes. and then they all have sex, and then they share the food. Yes. So right. much better. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and then I, I love the fact that also the bonobos. Uh, female are the leader of uh, their yeah. uh, tribe, right. so that's making more sense. And yeah. uh, in a way, of uh, females uh, control uh, the the communities yeah. and their behavior and, and all that. So it's uh, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. But the males are also happy, so it's, yes, it's not. Exactly. I always, you know, I've had this discussion with anthropologists where they say, well, there are no female-dominated societies in the world, no matriarchies. And I say to them, that's because you think a, f a female-dominated society is going to look like the opposite of a male-dominated society. Exactly. But when it's dominated by females, it's they they don't ex they don't use power the way men tend do. to do. Yeah. yeah, so it's much more inclusive yes, and. Yes, yes. And if females are in power, then they're more sexually uh, open. So the males are having more sex, which means the stress level is lower, right. less violence. So they go and they see these societies where the men are very happy and relaxed. And they say, well, it can't be female dominated because the men are happy. They should <laughs> right. be suffering the right. way women suffer right. when the men are dominating. Right. It's, right. it's different. Yeah. So anyway. You you grew up in in Congo. Yes, in, yes, I do. Where what village? Where were you born? Where, I, I grew up in the north of uh, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, on north west part of the DRC, hmm. in a, right on the equator, uh, south uh, twenty uh, eighty kilometers uh, uh, south of the equator. Yeah. So in a small village, it's called uh, Ikokobunginda, which is a tribe and um, communities uh, surrounded by uh, lake. The lake is approximately it's, uh, 70 miles by 50 miles ah, wide. It's a big lake. So it's all surrounded <coughs> where the, the heart of the uh, Congo Basin is. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. So, so and w were people in your village hunters or farmers, or wh where did their food come yes, from? Yes, yeah, they are hunters <coughs> and uh, uh, 
they grow food and there's where they have domestic animals, chickens, goats, sheep, uh, ducks, uh, otters, and uh, also the fishing men and the fishing oh, women. the lake, right. So it's in the lake. But uh, uh, the last time I was, uh, I went back home, it was, uh, I can see it's uh, a lot of uh, stressful uh, into the lake because uh, there is a lot of regula regulations of uh, what type of fish you keep and what type of fish you right. eat. But uh, the village has a tendency to uh, harvest uh, uh, fish uh, regardless. It's so they're little, overfishing. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, the lake is overfishing. Yeah. So. And also, I guess the population is exactly growing. population is going. <clears throat> and how? When were you born? I was born in 1964. Ah, yeah. so we're roughly the same age. Yeah. So you remember uh, Mobutu? Oh, very, very well. Yeah, yeah I was. Uh, uh, that's when I was born. It's the Mobutu uh, leadership. You know, so. uh, Congo got independent in 1960. Uh, from Belgium, then Mobutu take a power yeah. uh, since '65. Uh, uh, Who was the? There was another leader, very briefly before Mobutu, and like he was a very sort of nationalist and uh, maybe socialist. Oh, uh, Lumumba. Lumumba, yes, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, Lumumba was uh, very involved with uh, Patrice. Patrice Lumumba. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, seems like the CIA yes, didn't they got like involved, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, Mobutu, Mobutu was over, yeah. was the Americans' uh, choice. Yeah, yeah. I there's a amazing film called When We Were Kings. Yes, yes, exactly. That? Yeah, yeah. Mohammed were you one of the <laughs> one of the boys running along? <laughs> I was in the village. We we received the news, and there was like a, um, it was a big deal. Yeah. What were they a, What were they saying to Ali? They Ali Bomaye. Bomaye, yeah, right? I mean, uh, Which killed him, right? Ali Bomaye. Yeah, exactly. yeah. George Foreman didn't <laughs> yeah. like that. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember like when in that film they showed George Foreman arriving and he had those German shepherds <laughs> and he brought and the people like because they associate no. German shepherds with the military and the police and like, nah, exactly, yeah, it's not a good way to be popular in no, Congo. No, they did not like Bad that. Move. Yeah, it yeah. did not come with a good energy. Yeah, Ali was a, yeah. the best. Yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so you grew up in the village, and t what was it like? What, what was life like in the village? The village, like it was a very, uh, to me, uh, clear. Uh, it was a very laid back. I, the, I never even is, uh, uh, expressed uh, the stress hmm. uh, level. Uh, until I came to the United States. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're, it, we're good at stress it, here. Exactly. Yeah. It was a very, very uh, laid back. I would wake up in the morning as a child, uh, pretty much is, uh, just uh, either uh, be with my dad or my mom or mm. my uncle, my grandfather, and uh, just uh, teaching me how uh, to be uh, somebody and uh, to be uh, part of the family. Uh, yeah. The culture and it, it was clear to me uh, that uh, it took a village to raise a child. Mm. That was a, one one of those uh, things I will never forget in my life mm. because of the how I was raised is uh, by my aunt, uh, right. grandfather, every 
person who are consider a mom and a dad right and there was a great respect and we right. take their advice because they know they, uh, uh, what to say right and uh, so if a child in the village a, a child is crying does just the nearest adult will pick them up where they say hey your your baby you have to come get your baby oh no it will be if, if a, a child is sitting and then an adult to see that they would like it oh uh, yeah any take adult care of the, the, yeah the yeah. child uh, and uh, and they find their parents and they usually say you know everybody yeah uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. live around so they will know oh this child is belong to go there yeah so yeah <laughs> uh, it's 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 a beautiful and then, then I will go uh, I went to school they have a uh, small uh, <coughs> elementary school there in a, in a village so it was just after school it was Basically, they go hang out and they go and fish uh, in a lake and fishing, mm. and they go in the forest and uh, watch animals. And uh, the hippos will come uh, in the shore before they leave the uh, lake and uh, to go eat the food. So it's kind of that was a part of our entertainment. And then you go in one area, you said, Oh, kind of monkey will come before maybe early in the morning or before dawn. Mm. That's when they they trying to go and find the food. So, and we will be creative in a way in making a dugout canoe and with the small trees and putting maybe a uh, uh, a car with you make a, your own car or like you have oranges four oranges and with with a twig and put it together mm. and you have a wheel you probably might see that in Africa mm. and they wire it together and they just uh, be creative right. uh, that was I was very good at it with my hand yeah if I can remember very well uh, it was a beautiful and just to hang out with a friend and uh, was it dangerous? Like hippos are dangerous. The hippos are dangerous. And yeah. they, I remember one time uh, I was 14 years old. Uh, if they trans measure transportation in the lake. It's a, uh, uh, you have a dugout canoe and you paddling and you go to visit your relatives. Mm. So uh, one time I was going to see my uncle in Angelo uh, Monzoi, uh, which is uh, 30 miles away. So I was paddling canoe along and they um, the lake was a calm a little bit, and the, the breeze started to calm, and then the water became to be choppy, and then uh, and then I and then ten feet away from me, and I saw the signals, uh, uh, waters, uh, 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 blue or uh, from uh, oh like uh, bubbles uh, coming bubbles. Yeah. from a hippo, and actually uh, uh, it was a couple family. They rise and uh, they they give me the signal. They, they go. They shoot water in the, in the air, and at that moment, I like, oh my gosh! I slowly and turned my uh, canoe in the different directions, and uh, and then I was okay. Yeah. But uh, there are several cases, and especially if you don't know where they are, and uh, a particular one, our uh, uh, family member was uh, uh, almost got killed by hippos. Mm. He was his uh, legs was uh, torn out, and. Uh, yeah. Uh, he did know he was approaching to uh, hippos. They tossed the canoes in the air and smashed it, and uh, it grabbed him by legs. It was just all the muscles was yeah. missing. It was a pretty bad, yeah. yeah. And they were our most dangerous animals uh, yeah. in Africa. Yeah.
Were there alligators or crocodiles? Crocodiles, yeah. Yeah, my, grand, my great uncle was uh, killed uh, by a crocodile. By crocodile. Mm -hmm. He was with his uh, brother on a, on a dagad canoe. And uh, the, in the traditional fishing ways, uh, uh, they, they, they fish with the spears. And it was uh, not really clear. They thought the uh, fish is uh, uh, swimming uh, in the surface. And uh, when they launched the spear, and there was a, uh, a giant of a 20 feet uh, croc, and they rise and they took his brother until today. And the one li lived. Oh, so wow. uh, it was wow. uh, it was a tragic, but uh, but we know where they are. Uh, usually, we know our um, the boundary and how to um, mm. take uh, uh, cautious when you. Did, did the people season. eat crocodiles? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. So you hunt them also? They, they not. It was not really hunting unless is if it got tangled by the uh, fishing uh, uh, the net. The net, yeah. and uh, then I remember one of them. It was uh, maybe uh, about twelve feet uh, uh, croc tangled with the fishing net. Then uh, the whole village came in and says, well, that was opportunities. Yeah. And uh, they, they got him and killed right. him. And then we share the whole village. Right. The good things are there. If something is, is uh, uh, been killed, it, it will be um, shared to mm. the whole entire village and, and no waste at all. Right. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I think I told you yesterday, my wife is from Mozambique. Yes, yes. And she told me that in where she lived, there is a popular expression that the best place to put extra food is in your friend's stomach. Yes. Because there's no refrigerator. Exactly. Right? So exactly. that's where, oh, yes. extra food, yes. hey, yeah. come. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly uh, yeah. how we do that. There's no refrigerator, no running uh, water, no electricity. That's how I was, uh, how I was raised. What about... Um, medicine or like like for example when someone has an accident or attacked by an animal or stung uh, bitten by a snake or something how yeah how it's, it's a lot of uh, the uh, traditional medicines they uh -huh. are medicine women uh, medicine men uh, in the, in the tribal communities uh, right. so they will provide uh, that but if it's something else uh, uh, that we ca we don't know and that's the, that's just the way it is but mm. uh, and so they, you, there's no way to go to a hospital. They, they, these uh, hospitals in Bikoro, but uh, if uh, if uh, something is uh, really deep, uh, they they don't have any access to medical care mm. or, or facility to diagnostics what really uh, yeah. uh, this person. And also there. money. Ex exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially right now, uh, it's a really really hardship, and yeah. uh, both of my parents. Uh, uh, pass away because also uh, they have uh, no access of a medical care. Mm. So one of them, my mom has a high blood pressure. And she didn't have a medication, she passed. Mm. And then my dad just passed uh, uh, recently. He, he was uh, uh, 83 years, which is good age, but uh, he ended up uh, developing, uh, it was uh, really quick. He was a very healthy person. And uh, uh, or suddenly started having uh, blood in his uh, stool, mm. but uh, I would assume if he were in uh, in the United States, probably he would live. But uh, uh, and then he knew clearly says, uh, "Don't take me anywhere because uh, I know uh, to hospitals because uh, I know 
this is my time is up. Mm -hmm. So taking me uh, to my own village and then uh, let me pass there. So he didn't suffer much. It's just a one, after one month he, he yeah. passed away. Yeah. Do you, do you, can you say anything about the way people think about death in that society? I mean, it has to be, you know, it being in this place here, there's, you know, last night the party was all about death and, yes. you know, there, there's a, a lot of what this community is trying to do, I think, is, is change the way people think about death and be yes. more accepting and understanding. And when I, I think about a society like what you're describing in the village, you just said, well, if it's a very serious thing, it's just the way it is, mm -hmm. right? There's no, you're not going to fight, you're not exactly. going to go, oh, we got surgery and call the ambulance, exactly. and there's no ambulance, yes. and the helicopter, there's it no helicopter. Just, yeah. So are people, are people more peaceful about death? How, how is their relationship to death different from what you see in America? In the Western society, it's a very, very striking me because uh, uh, how uh, people are scared to die. Yeah. Ever since I, I, I came into this culture and like, oh my gosh, that's totally where, uh, compared to where I came from. <laughs> and uh, and uh, what we experience in death in the Congo uh, it's, uh, we have uh, the uh, expression that says uh, uh, the death is uh, like a, a strapping a belt uh, on your waist. That's, that's it. It's in there. It can be any moment, any time. Oh, so, I see. So death is always with you. Exactly. It's, it's always, it's yeah. always with you. Yeah. So I'm not wearing a belt, so <laughs> I think I'm, I'm good for today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> good luck for that. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, the death there, uh, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a part of uh, the culture and they accept it mm. because it's, uh, in, uh, in many reasons uh, um, you can be struck by lightning and you can be uh, uh, going in the forest and the tree fall on you and uh, yeah. uh, or illness and uh, you, you cannot seek the medical care. So they, they really accepted that. And the child uh, uh, will be, uh, uh, usually is the one time I, I ask, uh, I can share with you. I ask my parents, they say, why is uh, uh, our culture we attend is to have uh, so many kids? And my mom and dad, they says, because that's, uh, uh, if we have uh, maybe one kid, uh, we, it, we're taking a chance, it's not going to survive. Yeah. So having a nine and ten, mm. maybe few of them will survive. Yeah. So uh, they, that's like their investment. Right. So to, to the kids and uh, so they know some of them will die yeah. with the parasite, uh, right. infections, you name it. Uh, yeah. Water related and right. uh, all that. So they, these people know, and then they're not afraid of uh, of uh, losing someone. It will be a, uh, a sorrow, a sadness, and, and uh, but in the end, always they know it's a celebration. Uh, uh, if someone died there, they are uh, they will the funeral we call matanga. 
Matanga is a funeral there. Mm. And they will keep the body uh, certain probably a few, three days until the whole family members come in the same place. Right. So in the Matanga, uh, um, uh, period of Matanga, all the family will stay together, uh, depending uh, how long the family decided. It can be two weeks oh, or really? a month. Well, people have traveled to yes. be there, so yeah. people travel to be there, and, and they stay in one place, and they bring goods and yeah. uh, and the celebrations, the life of that particular person right. who pass, and there will be the traditional the dances and mm. uh, and uh, and the connecting with the nature. Uh, 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 so it, it's a very very beautiful celebrations uh, uh, and. Uh, 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 people who sh share uh, uh, it, it's, it's just an incredible uh, ritual uh, uh, part of uh, the customs and that we do celebrate about uh, uh, somebody passing so yeah. it's it's a very very I, I love uh, 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 the way uh, we practice and uh, continue to do in uh, that uh, tribe community yeah do you think this is a complicated question for me because I think about this a lot I, I I think I told you yesterday I'm writing a book and I a lot of the book is about hunter-gatherers Now I know your village weren't hunter-gatherers but a lot of what you're describing like the fact that a lot of children die mm -hmm. that was the human condition and still is in yes. lots of the world yes. um, and then you come to a place like the United States where infant mortality is lower mm -hmm. not as low as people think it's it's about even with cuba right now uh because a lot of black children die in america i see very few white uh, babies but the infant mortality rate for black people is very low because medical care is you know very low for a lot of poor people here anyway my point is that um in societies with a lot of infant mortality, uh, as you say, the parents expect it. They know, like we're going to have five or six, whatever, children, because we know two or three of them might not survive. In some societies, some cultures, babies aren't considered people until they can speak. And I've always thought that that's a way to um, to sort of uh, protect against the sadness because you know the baby's very vulnerable and they mm -hmm. can get sick, they can die. Exactly. Maybe they're not strong and it's right. better that they die, yes. Yes. you know? Yes. Uh, and so in the culture, the, the, an infant is not a person yet. So they don't feel the same kind of sadness when the infant okay. dies because, well, it wasn't really a person. Yes. It wasn't ready to live yes. yet. So, you know, is, is there something like that in your culture? Or yes, yes, is it, it is. Because I, I know uh, they, they say also, also when uh, you lose a child and at some point uh, you, you, uh, uh, in, a, in a culture, we bury the child in a, in a, real, not in a real cemetery. Uh, okay. We will bury the child in a backyard. Uh -huh. And uh, the tribe uh, believe uh, that soul will return at some point. Okay, right. And uh, it just wasn't the right moment for it, that soul. Ex exactly. Right. So it is, is it considered is it not uh, a fully developed 
and a more or less a sadness and uh, and uh, compared to the an adult when right. the adult pass yeah it's uh, it's it's uh, i can relate it to that yeah yeah and in your culture are there <clears throat> like ritual when when a boy becomes a man are there rituals to mark that moment or when a girl becomes a woman you know they, they, there's no ritual on that the only ritual we have when uh female uh give uh, birth for the first time ah. so it's called Bualekele, uh -huh. to honor the mother because we believe that they are mother nature and therefore uh, giving a life for all of us so in my cultures when the, the female give a first birth uh, that's a very honor and it can go through to the traditional uh, 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 preparations if uh, they're willing to do that mm -hmm. and uh, they honor that and uh, for the mayor it was we don't have uh, that type of uh, uh, um, ritual ritual yeah. and that so it's just uh, no yeah just uh, how old uh, were you when you left Congo? I was a 21 and did you have to do like join the military or something was there is that required that young men have to go in the military yeah, it's uh, required, but uh, especially where I was raised in a tribe, uh, it's uh, harder to recruit anybody from uh, the, the, that uh, far. Usually right. the uh, 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 kids are in more in the city, they were recruiting them. Uh, but, uh, right. in, in, uh, remote is uh, more rare. There was, was nothing really I was uh, worried about that at all. And why did you leave? I left... Uh, uh, when I was uh, uh, 7 to 11 years old, I kept uh, having a dream. It was uh, so clear uh, that I would live in my tribe. As uh, I see my communities, uh, uh, it's a tech village to raise a child. I will go somewhere far away and uh, continue to support my uh, community. Mm. And I kept having this uh, dream. Uh, I told my mom and dad, I said, Mom, I'm having the dream. It's so important, and then I will leave you, all of you. I'm the oldest child. And she says, you ask me where? I says, I don't know. And then uh, when I was 16 years old, uh, uh, Dean DeBoer is uh, originally grew up on a farm uh, from South Dakota. Uh, he volunteered, uh, moved to Zaire, working with the Habitat for Humanity. Mm. So he was in Kinshasa learning Lingala uh, for three months. Then he moved to my village and uh, the Habitat was building a home for the poor people there. Mm. So that's how I met Dean. My grandfather was a chief in, in the village. And so he welcomed Dean. Dean, we adopted him as a, uh, a family, adopted him as, as, mm. as a dad as well. So and what is his name? Dean what? Dean DeBoer. DeBoer. Yeah. Oh, like the big diamond company. <laughs> right. Is it DeBoer Diamonds in South Africa? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. So, so you met him and you were how old? 16? 16 years old. And then I was helping Dean with the communities, uh, uh, the language and uh, culture. So we become a very, very... And then in 85, that's when he moved back to the United States. Mm. So uh, he, he ended up uh, sponsoring me to 
come to the United States. Mm. That's how I ended up here. And w did you learn English with him? or? Um, later, I did not really speak any English as, when I was at home, but uh, as soon as I get, got to the United States, uh, I took uh, English as a second language ah. at the Durham Tech. Yeah. And, and did you go to South, Af or South Dakota? Yes, yeah, I went many times and uh, to see his uh, families. And, uh, uh, but, but where did you, when, when he sponsored you, where did yeah, you go? Yeah, he was uh, uh, in Durham, North Carolina. Oh, in Durham, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's a tension community. Uh, they were formed, they, it was formed uh, in 1972 yeah. uh, between Durham and Chapel here. And then uh, I moved uh, from uh, the jungle uh, straight to. Uh, Lockridge community. Really? So, yeah, that's the only place. Uh, <laughs> Thirty years, thirty-one years ago now. Thirty-one years ago. Yeah. Do you remember? Like, like uh, what a what a trip. So you, how did you get to the airport? You flew out of Kinshasa. Yes, I flew from Kinshasa. I got I got uh, transportation, dugout canoe, cross the lake, and uh, three hours, and get a um, road trip and. Eight hours and one hours from Mbandaka to Kinshasa, and then all the way to the United States. It was it was incredible. It was uh, my first impressions when I landed there. Coming down, it was like it was the, in the New York City, JFK. Oh, you flew into JFK. Oh it my was God. A, it was a, the light. I never seen that many light. Yeah. Uh, and then, did you fly over? Could you see the city mm -hmm. from the plane? It was in yeah. the dark. Yeah. Oh right, that's nice. And uh, we, as we were driving, I said it was in the October 15th. I asked Dean, he said, "Oh, American trees are dead." He says, "No, they're not dead. They're just <laughs> sleeping." <laughs> I, I, I was like, "Well, I'm from the tropical. If yeah. the trees and no all leaves, it means they're, they're dead." dead. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of. Wow, wow. And uh, that was the first time you were on an airplane, I guess. Yes, yes, yeah, first time I to be on an airplane. It was, it was incredible. But yeah, I guess, fascinating. could you see in your village, you could see them fly over? Yes, yes. So you'd it, see yeah, in the yeah, airplane. Yeah, yeah. we, we yeah. remember uh, seeing it when, uh, being in the village sometime. Uh, some of them we don't see and we just uh, hear the, the sound going by. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes we would be able to see them. Yeah, wow. That that's a big day yes. for you yes. to say goodbye because yeah. you, you know you're going very far. Yeah. It's not like you can come back next yeah. week. Yeah, I have a blessings and uh, I'm supposed to be become the leader of my tribe and then uh, give that right to my brother. So mm. I give uh, all my respect and uh, I say that this is uh, my uh, destiny. Purpose. Purpose. So, yeah. And, uh, so it yeah. made it, it made a whole lot of sense. So that was thirty years ago. Thirty-one years ago. Thirty-one years ago. Yeah. Uh, you came here. You went to this community. Uh, what was it called? It, uh, uh, Durham Tech Community College. Durham Tech Community College. Mm -hmm. Ah, okay. And and you were living in an intentional community. Yeah, Lockridge Community. Ah, okay. And how how did you end up there? What? Because uh, Dean, uh, uh, Dean knew people Dean, there. Uh, Dean was uh, part of uh, the community. So. Were there other Africans there? No, no. no. It, it was a lot of uh, uh, the hippie uh, people right. are living there. So right. I was only one black person there who huh. who came into that community. And did you speak English then? Or no, no, no. So you, pff, wow. yeah, 
It was, it was hard. How, and how you were how old? Tw uh, 21. 21. Yes. Wow, man. That's a big adventure. Yes. It's yes. like going to another planet. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so what did you think? Was it, it must have been very exciting, but was it, diff it must have been difficult. It was difficult. Then uh, I, re uh, I realized right away, and uh, as I was going to uh, uh, learning English as a second language, the people were totally strange, different. And I, I would attend to, to wave and say hello, and they don't even look at me. They, they just turn around. And well, say, and this is in the city or at the university? Yeah, well, it's in town, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a chapel here. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, that's a really, what's wrong with them? Yeah. And uh, uh, says, I ask Dean, Dean speak uh, Lingala, I will go ask mm. Dean, says, uh, people here, they don't even say hello. He uh, uh, says, that, that's the nature of it, is the culture here. And then I, I'm always a, a smile face. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, it was, it was, it was a hard in that part because uh, being in a village, I know every single person. Right. And then we get up in the morning, hello, and yeah. we share and right. everything. And that, it was a quite a country shock to me to see that. Did you, did you think you made a mistake? And there was a moment that, uh, that uh, says, I was uh, sad. And and uh, and sometimes I will cry because I miss uh, the tribe, yeah, uh, sure, uh, aspect and the, the reality and uh, uh, the the uh, how I was raised and then like wow, it's, I'm uh, alone now. Yeah. So and I don't speak the language and yeah. so it's hard and but it it took me uh, approximately three years to. Uh, to really understand and uh, learn about uh, the, uh, the the people, uh, and then Max uh, meet really good one wonderful friends, and uh, they become uh, my family. And the Lockridge is also they were amazing people. They embraced me, and the Dean family in South Dakota. I was uh, when I first went there, I was the only one black person, they never even probably never see a black person, yeah. but uh, his family they embrace in a small town called Corsica, mm. uh, outside of Chicago. So, and I never, I never really fear uh, uh, like a shame, uh, be around the, the people. Uh, I was like, a, yes, this is great. And uh, 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 it never occurred to me, uh, uh, like uh, have a mind uh, or discriminate to anyone, uh, never, never. Yeah. So it's a, it's a quite uh, experience. How, how, how was your relationship with black American people? Did you ever feel like, are, did you feel closer to them or were they more, I mean, I, I told you the other day, I have a friend from Congo, the other yes, Congo, yes, yes, and yes, yes. Her, her relationship with black American people is very complicated yes. because they think that because she's black, then they, they're the same. And yes. it, it's very confusing for her to, to think about that. Is, is that something that you have to deal with or that you've thought about over the years or it's not an issue for you? It occurred to me when uh, I was uh, going to uh, 
Durham Tech uh, to study auto mechanic, mm. and uh, there were uh, several of uh, uh, black students. Uh, and uh, I remember every once in a while, one or one or two, or every once in a while, we approach it to me. They are asking me, "Is uh, uh, how do you feel about uh, the the white uh, people in uh, this country?" I my answer was. Uh, uh, I, I remember that moment. I, I felt uh, uh, uncomfortable, mm. uh, and then uh, yeah. uh, uh, that they asked me that question, uh, and uh, I said, uh, "Where I grew up uh, in a tribe, it was no nobody to have to be uh, discriminated." Mm. So I, it doesn't matter who, who you are, what type, how, how you look, I, I accept everybody equally. So I don't have any problem with the white uh, people at all. Like, matter of fact, is the, uh, Dean is the one who sponsored me to right. come to the United States as right. a white, and I adopted him as, as my dad. Yeah. So, and uh, they says, uh, their response was like, uh, well, you probably should not be uh, a friend um, uh, uh, close to them. And this says, well, I don't feel it that way. Yeah. But uh, and uh, I, I made the more white friend and family than uh, than uh, black. And it was it was it was a, a really draw. Uh, uh, I can see. They, they wanted me to be like them, yeah. uh, what I, I sensed and what I was uh, uh, explained to a few of them. And they, they just uh, uh, said the, the way they did it to us uh, uh, coming in slavery here. And uh, so it's not a good idea to be a friend with them. I said, that's, that's not my case. Yeah. That's not who I, who I am. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, uh, they, they were very, very, some of them are really wonderful people. But yeah, the, the tendency, yeah. they, I will have uh, that question constantly will be asked to me and how I feel. Yeah, that, that's my friend's experience as well, that it, it was difficult for her because it was like the black people wanted her to say, I'm on your side. Yes, exactly. But she's married to a white man. She has children who are you know half white and half black and she was raised in Paris and Congo and 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 so even though she's very sympathetic and and understands the history it's not her history so you know it's like if I go to uh, you know to Africa and there's there's a war between two tribes and they're like oh whose side are you on like I don't I, it's I not don't my know. war exactly. I don't I'm, yeah yeah, it's, totally it's a complicated thing. And, yeah. you, you know, it's again, we're not, I'm sure you're not, and I'm certainly not uh, denying that there's good reason for this yes, distrust yes. and yeah. anger and, yeah. you know, all that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's a complicated thing to be yes. an African person in America, I think, yes. because of that. You sort of get in the middle of this thing yeah, that's no. not, your, not your fight. It's not my, my yeah. problem. So you've been here 30 years. You, you said you, uh, did you work as an auto mechanic? Yes, yeah, I have a or workshop. Do you? Uh, yeah. uh, I worked with the company for five years and then I decided uh, uh, to open my own shop. I have my little mm. workshop in the community. So I repair 
uh, cars. Yeah. Since, yeah. You should say their, their lawnmowers don't work here. <laughs> Maybe you can help them with the lawnmowers. Yeah. And then I learned uh, Dean is a was a master carpenter, and ah. we oh that's right, did, you do the woodworking. We did uh, a lot of uh, the uh, habitat uh, ah. volunteer in Durham, Charlotte, and some other places. Yeah. So he taught me how to build the houses, and then I'm a carpenter. I become a carpenter and also a woodworker and. Uh, I, uh, Missionary, I, I lay uh, bricks as well, stones. So. You do everything. Yeah. Yeah. So. And where are you living now? I live in uh, Lockridge. Oh, you're still there? Yes. Ah, cool. Still there. Ah, all right. Still it's still, I, I didn't know if it was still mm -hmm. functioning. Yes, yeah, it's still. Ah, that's fantastic. How many yeah. people live there? There's a 25 family lives there. 25 families? Yeah. Ah. They have a little bit over 100 acres. Nice. So it's all surrounded by Duke Forest. Yeah, nice. beautiful place. Ah, that's great. Yeah. And you grow your own food and have yes. animals. Yeah, we things? have a um, garden, community garden. So right. I have a, my uh, garden, grow food. It's a wonderful place. Yeah, that's fantastic. And how do you, have you had children? Have you married? Yeah, I was married uh, uh, that uh, 12 years ago. So mm. I have a child mm. who is married and American. So Joshua mm. is my son. He's mm. uh, 17 years old. 17, wow. Yes, yes. Does he live with you? Yes, he lives oh. with me. Yeah. Cool. And is his mother uh, white or African? Yeah, his mom is, is a white. Ah. And, uh, yeah. So you're she lives in, in Chapel Hill. She lives in Chapel Hill. Yeah. Nice.
you you mentioned or or maybe Elisa mentioned to me that you're doing work supporting well your dream right your your purpose that exactly. you said earlier yes, was yes, that you were going to go far away yes. but you were going to help your your village yes, or, yes. so how what are you doing what's happening with that yeah i after my mom died uh, uh 2012 it was uh, clearly and uh, her last wishes uh words and told me uh, god will bless you with uh, uh, this uh, project and uh, he he called and uh, he said uh, there are uh, corporation in Lactumba logging, mm. uh, cutting the rainforest. Who, who called? My mom. Your, oh, she called. Your mom. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, in 2012, uh, she had a stroke in the past. Yeah. So um, I thought about that uh, uh, earlier, and then uh, when uh, she called me a uh, couple of years. Uh, before uh, we find out that uh, she was sick, uh, that that was uh, clearly, and it says yes. Now it's a time uh, to do uh, help my community, and uh, because part of uh, the uh, land it belonged to my ancestral mm. uh, land right, so they don't have any documentation uh, yeah. uh, to say that, of but. It's recognized by the government, but the government always they can they allow it to take bribes, money, and and then go send the people uh, to log the the uh, forest. So uh, I went to I flew back to Kinshasa. That's 27 years later. For first time you went first back. Time. Yeah, I went to bury her. And uh, strictly, I went to the uh, Minister of the Environment. I met with them. And uh, I explained my situations and uh, my mom's legacy. I think I needed to do this. It's important. So to protect it is the forest and uh, uh, for now and uh, for the future generation. So um, I find out uh, some uh, uh, agreements uh, from a national level. UN are involved and they're putting a lot of pressure to uh, governments. Uh, you needed to save it is uh, uh, second uh, largest rainy forest in the world. So this is most resilient to our climate change. So they have uh, signed up uh, uh, agreements in some ways. Uh, the red program is. Uh, reduction emissions, deforestation, degradation, so they can benefit some money from uh, the RED program. Mm. So as long as uh, they are collaborate with uh, the local communities uh, mm -hmm. and to protect uh, the land. Right. So he, he explained it to me uh, and clearly and uh, he felt my, I was speaking from uh, my heart right. and uh, uh, have, with a pa have a passion with it. So he told me, he says, number one, I was uh, elected by the um, people in the Lactumba. So I will ensure to you that I will follow up and, and, uh, and uh, um, protect this forest. So, and we follow, follow up uh, paperwork. And the Chinese already took a portion of the land uh, uh, in everywhere, like a, the mining uh, is the part of a DRC, the devastations. Uh, wars continue today because uh, uh, 
the precious minerals such as uh, cobalt and the coltan and right. the, it's uh, it's used uh, for the cell, phone. to cell phones and yeah. uh, and uh, the women are being raped and the children are forced to become a soldier it's a, it's a incredible uh, uh, world uh, happening there yeah. and uh, who knows the big players are behind uh, these uh, uh, mining and children are be forced to go and uh, mine it and uh, collecting these uh, minerals. It's uh, really sad. And then I, I look at that. If uh, if uh, the same uh, problem uh, come to my tribe, it will be the same. Uh, or if they find a gold or diamond or, mm. or you yeah. name it, uh, petroleum, it will be the same. Yeah. So. And I took the opportunities and uh, to uh, work with the government. Uh, I came back and raised the funds. I found the organization called Go Conscious Earth. It's a non-for-profit. It's based in Durham, North Carolina. Go Conscious Earth. Yes. Is there a web page? Yes. www.goconsciousearth.org. Yeah, Org. Okay. So uh, gcw.gceearth.org. Okay. So you can go and uh, Google that. So, uh, in the 2014, the Minister of Environment wrote me a letter that says they come back. So I went back and with the two board members of my non for profit. So he requested that the delegation we flew to Trap says that, that this is the way, the proper way it works because it's in a, in a in the uh, uh, constitutions uh, uh, of uh, uh, ancestry uh, right. So before we grant uh, any type of land, uh, we have uh, to have a proof of uh, our negotiations and uh, uh, all the chiefs and the leaders and the sign and the Aborigine pygmy people have uh, to be involved, uh, women have to be involved. It's a grassroots mm. that documentation is called Close Social et Cahier de Charge. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, it was a, uh, uh, we went with the delegations. We travel all these uh, villages yeah. and they're signing it. And I remember that part was uh, the best moment in my life because uh, the first time me going back and they actually, uh, uh, the leaders, they came, uh, they embraced us and they took us to, uh, uh, community gathering, and uh, they give me the name. It's a Nehemiah, Nehemiah, the biblical name, the one who left uh, the village, uh, and uh, then they returned to uh, mm. save and uh, and support their right. families, right. Uh, communities. I I, I cried. Yeah. Uh, it was just the most profound. I said I saw through to their eyes. It says this is uh, what they need because uh, what the story we got. We gathering is uh, how the corporation will come, uh, logging company will come, and uh, taking uh, every single tree, ship, and uh, this community get uh, zero. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. They get zero, except disease and exactly. poverty and yeah. yeah, yeah. Because now they, where the food came from, where everything came from, is gone. So now you need money yes. to buy what terrible food. Right. How do you get money? Now you have to work. Yeah. And uh, yeah. in the negotiations, uh, there were uh, the alternative. Yeah. Because uh, 
these communities that they relied on the rainforest, yeah. they hunt, yeah. and the lake, right. and the, all that. What is the and alternative? drinking the water has to be exactly. clean. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was a, they're willingly to give uh, co-conscious earth and to tear the government. This is what we want. Yeah. They ask a clean water initiatives because yeah. they saw a lot of kids and they're dying with the water contamination. Yeah. They ask for school, building school. They ask for healthcare clinic facilities. They, want, they ask for women's initiatives. It can be uh, making soaps or, or, or empower the women. And they've learned the women, when they are in control with the money, they're very, very good with the uh, money. And, uh, and, mm. uh, and the men, they have a tendency to go and drink uh, yeah. a, a lot of alcohol and abuse. Or but uh, gambling. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. again, uh, related to Bonobo. Yeah, And exactly. that says yeah. in, in my tribe, the women, the women, they are in charge and controlling and the, the families are happy. Mm. And, uh, and that was beautiful. Uh, I admire my mom. They just, uh, I admire mom and also every woman in, 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 all around the world because they, they, they just the they best. <laughs> uh, I not, don't think me wrong, but the dad is always a good but mom, so they, they, they do the best work, I, I, from my own opinion. Yeah. So they ask yeah. these uh, uh, things in exchange, so, uh, and then we put it out uh, on uh, uh, that documentation and mm -hmm. bring it back with us uh, to brought back uh, in Kinshasa. and. Uh, the minister says, well done. Yeah. And, uh, and, they, and they granted the... And the he land. granted a million acres of uh, concessions. So we have wow. a south and, and, and side and the north side. And the south side, that's where it's in the Botuali area. It's, that's where the bonobos are living there. Ah. They are there. If it's it, part if of it, the concession. Yes. Oh. If you go there, and we also have a partnership with the Sedan, the local NGO who uh, fought a great deal to make sure the government that they don't cheat mm. and they don't take uh, the land away from right. it. They follow the, the right. agreement that they signed yeah. with the UN. Right, you can't rest. So it's, it's a very, very, very great. And uh, the community concessions that become now is a very, very important in the DRC because at some point uh, they, they gain money, the government get the money. And also it's a win-win situation yeah. with the uh, local communities. Yeah. So, and my dad was uh, so proud oh, and to see great. that. He saw, he that, saw that. Yeah. And uh, 2016, we bought uh, the village drear. It was uh, developed in Utah. This uh, uh, group, it's called uh, org. They developed this uh, drear. Uh, it requires just the human power, uh -huh. and it's a ro rotating. And you just have a few people and turning the wheels and a drear right. uh, borehole exactly for well for where yeah. Do you, is this the one where they they made it like a toy for children that the children run and jump and spin the wheel? It's a, it looks sort of like that. If you look uh, at my website, you will see it. Yeah. It's oh a, no, I'm thinking incredible. the one I'm thinking of is a pump. It's to pull the water no, 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 out no, no, after no. you yeah, have the after well. After you have the uh, well. This well. is the drill to yes. make the yeah. well. Yeah. And uh, it's a beautiful, fascinating the way we learn uh, because a lot of big uh, organizations when uh, they go drill the well, a lot of them is uh, being abandoned. 
Mm. And because there is no follow-up and no maintaining. And right. they have a big rig, a machine, transport on a big can, uh, uh, truck. Mm. And, uh, and my, uh, our um, drill, it's designed, you can take it apart mm. and uh, carry it to mm. various areas. Very area. remote areas. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, we have, a, uh, uh, we trained, we have a guy from uh, Kenya uh, engineers and they went there and they trained uh, the community how to drill and uh, how to maintain them. Right. They maintain maintenance is a very very doesn't require much. Yeah. And our where is a functioning? And we drill five of them in the different villages and it provides water over ten thousand people as we're speaking. Wow. So I mean now uh, that's our first initiatives and uh, we already uh, uh, people it, they were incredible. It's like a and uh, they. The latest report when I was there, when my dad died, villages that came and they says that the life of the children, it's been improved since we have this water. Right. And, uh, and all the villages, they heard that yeah. they will come and, and using uh, uh, the same wares. Yeah. But that's like a, almost a nothing, but that's just a planting a seed. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was incredible stories and it's like end of the big says when are we going to get our own right. wear right there are more than uh, uh, 60 villages around the Laktumba. so it's fantastic but so uh, your your organization is still raising money we're still raising money and uh, i'm hoping uh, uh, by default we will raise we have uh, like a portion of twenty thousand dollars and now raise and we need uh, in additions uh, of uh, 30k or more so mm. I can uh, go and uh, drill more five wares and eventually uh, uh, get uh, more uh, funding so I can uh, uh, empower the women and the mm. soap making um, mm. factory or biochar that's another um, uh, things that I want to biochar it's just incredible uh, um, uh, program uh, that uh, you it's a, it's a, it can be a huge beneficial. What is biochar? Biochar is, is they found in the Amazon, uh, the scientists, they look at the dug at the under the ground. It says a million and million years ago, they found the charcoal under the ground. And they, uh, and they, test, they took the sample of the soil. Mm -hmm. They looked at it, they have all, all the nutrients to grow food because they, the biochar is a stove, um, I don't know who started it, but uh, that's uh, how uh, back in the day they, they make a, as a, a really unique stove. You burn, when uh, you burn it, it doesn't, the, uh, you, the smoke it doesn't go in the air. It's like a cycle hmm. or, or just the, the carbons, uh, it's just uh, hmm. lacking in the wood itself. It don't go to right. in the atmosphere. Right. So and when you chop it, uh, after you uh, do the biochar, you put the water and uh, you crush it in small pieces and uh, you put it in your garden and uh, it fertilizes the the soil. Right. And uh, you can grow food like incredible. Right. But uh, and you need the, the carbon and uh, nitrogen mm. together, especially the stuff that you can get uh, from a uh, nitrogen uh, chicken uh, yeah. manures is really really good if you mix with a biochar a lactin and uh, it kept uh, that uh, 
uh, or the uh, um, good uh, uh, stuff uh, into uh, to the soil. Right. And, uh, and so it's better for the air quality. It's good for the air quality the because the women said in in my tribe they cook in the huts right. and they and, and the hair smoke, smoke is bad, and yeah. they really bad bad for the health yeah. and also good for the environment it doesn't pollute it yeah. and they require you can use uh, mm, uh, mm, animal manure to mm. burn you can just use uh, twigs mm. you don't have it to cut uh, big trees right and they're very very simple it, it, it run very very efficient it's a different type of charcoal mm. it's not that charcoal you just uh, burns right. and they send the smoke in here it's a different if you have a chance to Google the biochar, yeah. Yeah, it's a amazing. It it's a stove. It's a that company. There are company making them. Some of them in South Africa making the stoves. Making stoves, oh. so we can uh, distribute it to maybe. If we have, I have a fund today. I can really uh, get the uh, uh, the recipes. How to build them and uh, empower them. That's the thing. I mean, you can buy them, but what you really need is exactly. to show people how to make them. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. how we, we wanted to do with the uh, village drill. These people uh, uh, create uh, the uh, economical yeah. uh, uh, and empower them. They feel yeah. good for themselves and yeah. that we drill is where ourselves. It was not outside that came and right. to do for us. Yeah. And they, we maintain it. Rich then. white people came and exactly. saved us. Yeah. It's, it's a very, you. very, very beautiful. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, this is uh, our focus and uh, continue to preserve the rainforest and uh, and uh, uh, help communities the sustainable de development and uh, farming techniques yeah. and uh, mushrooms grows and uh, make bring more nutrition and uh, right. uh, uh, stuff and uh, and uh, then food uh, fish farming techniques ah, right uh, right so to help to help the lake exactly also the lake. i'll tell you though i don't know if you're doing this but somebody has to talk to people about population control also exactly that's a part of the uh, uh, our we we wanted to do that really really bad because yeah. if uh, we we uh, have uh, healthcare clinics then uh, that would be education uh, right uh, fertility yeah, exactly. counseling yeah, yeah. I, because I now i mean you're helping as you said earlier in the conversation if half the children are dying exactly okay but now no. if half the children aren't dying anymore because yes. you have clean water exactly. and you have a clinic and yes, yes. now your population gets much bigger very Literally. fast yeah. and then you have another set of problems right 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 exactly yeah. but again you know if you empower women they have fewer children exactly yes yeah, it's it's, it's uh, all about to educate them and uh, yeah. work with them. So that's yeah. uh, the key. That's fantastic, man. Yes. This is really good. So I people can Google biochar, which I'll do also. Yes, yes. And if they want to to send you some money to yes. help with this project. Yeah, we are now for profit, the 501c3, and uh, send a check. There's uh, all information you can uh, uh, find in it. Uh, uh, website, uh, yeah. or you can uh, uh, donate it directly there, right. uh, and then you have a and tax you, break. And you are, this is not one of these organizations where you send a bunch of money and 80% of the money goes to people sitting in an office exactly. in Washington. Exactly. This money really yes. goes yes. to the village. Yes. It, you, you know, you're yes. the boss of yes. this yes. thing, yes. right? Go Conscious Earth is a dawn, it's so amazing, it's a small uh, five years uh, organizations and uh, the money we raise uh, uh, purchasing the village drill 
and the Mm, drilling it is the five wares that all the money went to right. do that and uh, I'm a, I be I'm a passion uh, my this is my heart this yeah. is uh, what I believe and uh, I never get any pay right. zero zero money zero uh, zero and they say all the work is a volunteer work right and then uh, if it's someone is they wanted to prove us and then just look at what we already done so far yeah. and uh, we will continue to do that. I, w I remember my s uh, uh, promise myself, I says, I cannot allow the money goes to somebody pocket because uh, I from uh, in uh, this uh, tribe, I fear their pain and, uh, and how uh, the corporation will come and uh, take it, take it, taking, taking. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm with them and I will make sure everything's uh, uh, they ask it. Yeah. And, uh, well, I can verify. I think that Godi's not stealing the money because he's been wearing <laughs> the same shirt for three days. And <laughs> 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 sleeping on the porch. So he's not, yeah, he's not a no, millionaire. No, 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 no. That's the real deal. Thanks, brother. That's, yeah, thank you, Chris, really so much. It. I really appreciate it. Meeting you, it yeah. was uh, so... Uh, thanks for... for uh, Alessa, and uh, to connect with us, you have the opportunity to come and uh, and uh, come out, find out uh, yeah. some of the opportunities. Yeah. Who, who, whoever think uh, I will be here yeah. with you. Yeah, no, it's, the person it's, from it's all the way from the great. tribe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, I'm going to turn this stuff off. Thanks, thanks yeah. for doing yeah, this. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So there you go. That's Cody. If you were moved by his mission and you want to help out. Uh, you can go to gcearth.org. Uh, that's the site where he uh, talks about, he shows you the different um, projects that he's working on, trying to support in the Congo. You can write to him at info at gcearth.org. But anyway, go to gcearth.org and you can see what's going on, what Godi's up to, and you can... Uh, you know, support them. However, who knows? Maybe there's a volunteer position in Congo if you don't have any money. But in any case, uh, he's such a cool guy. And as I said, you know, if I've ever met anyone who doesn't have his hand in the cookie jar, he's the guy. So uh, for whatever that's worth, uh, he's he's got my trust for sure. Hope you enjoyed that. And here's the normal outro. See you next week. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast and are financially able, go to patreon.com and search for Tangentially Speaking. You enter your credit card, tell them you want to give me a buck, five bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 200 bucks, and then they'll just automatically ding your credit card and you don't have to think about it again. Uh, if you don't have uh, the money to do that, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Tell your friends about the podcast, write a review on iTunes, or just enjoy the podcast. It doesn't matter. I want to thank Basin and Range for that intro music. The song's called Bright Side of the Sun. And you can check them out at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast, you can go to Reddit, where there are a few thousand people chatting about the podcast. Uh, I drop in and answer questions, post photos, uh, whatever. Pretty cool community there. Another forum where you can meet fellow listeners to this podcast is at t eight. No, sorry, tspeaking.boardhost.com. This has been set up by a listener 
to enable people to um, register and uh, their different states and countries so you can find people who live near you, get together, have a beer, smoke a bowl, eat some mushrooms, dance under the moonlight, however you celebrate these things. You'll find uh, like-minded spirits on that. It's Again, it's tspeaking.boardhost.com. Dot com. And uh, if you want to get some T-shirts, we have the Civilized to Death shirts, Sex at Dawn shirts, Tangentially Speaking shirts. They're all in my mom's garage. She will get them out to you in a jiffy. Julie, my mom, is one of the most efficient people you will ever meet. So you can find those on my website. That Chris Ryan, ChrisRyanPhD.com, TangentiallySpeaking.com, whatever. You'll find them. Just look in the store there. If you want to buy some other T-shirts from the same manufacturer, that's Shore Design T shirts. They are fantastic. I know I say this is an ad-free podcast uh, and this could be construed as an ad, but Sure Design t-shirts have been supporting this podcast since its inception. Bennett, who was the dude there, decided he was going to support the podcast. He sent me a bunch of shirts uh, at an extreme discount to uh, help us out. Since Bennett died, the people who took over SureDesignT-shirts.com have decided to continue giving us the same deal that Bennett gave us. So be sure to use the discount code CTD, as in civilized to death, when you order anything from them and you'll get 20%, 20% off your entire order. That's the discount code CTD, and that's at SureDesignTshirts.com. Thank you to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear. You can check her out at CarseyBlanton.com. She performed this little ditty, especially for us. Sounds like she was sitting in her garage. You can hear the birds chirping. The song is called Smoke Alarm, and it's a reminder to live now because you're going to die one day. This is for you guys, Bennett and Justin. Miss you. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. ask for much a little music and a soft touch why don't you let it out to play your heart is in a birdcage singing in your chest you want to shut it up but give it a rest you're gonna die one day why do we waste our time thinking about a reputation running from Die one day We're gonna die
it's a big deal if you wanna be free say what you wanna feel spend the night with me i'm gonna take you up in my arms and if we must go down we'll go sing into the smoke alarms we'll dance into the ground